know the marketplace, know your value in the marketplace. Don't go in and say, hey, this other company's recruiting me. Hey, hey, how do I look? You know, like, how about you give me more money now? This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. Before we get into today's topic, which is a really good one on salary negotiation, which is important for anyone trying to get a new job or trying to get an internal promotion, we're going to go through a step-by-step process. I want to bring up something else I find really important and really important for all of you out there to know and understand and appreciate. So I go speak in colleges all across the country, and I try to teach people how to get hired in the sports industry, just like I do on this podcast. This is what I do. And I talk to people all the time about considering jobs in sports sales because 50% of the available jobs in the sports industry are in sales. It's a great way to start out and there's a high ceiling there. And people always look at me like, ah, no, I want to be a GM. I want to be a top dog at a front office, blah, 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 right? That's the pushback I always get. I'm not a sales type. I want this. I want that. Well, the proof is in the pudding. On Friday, Joe Schoen was hired by the New York Giants to be their new GM. Do you know where Joe Schoen started his career in the sports industry? He was in the ticket office with the Carolina Panthers. The proof is in the pudding, people. If you get out there and into a sales job, you will learn a lot of skills, not only about revenue generation, but presenting, researching, articulating your thoughts. There's so much that go into proper sales techniques to understand the business of sports. Joe Schoen started there. Now he's a GM of the Giants. I just want to make sure I made that clear to everybody so you all have some perspective. One more thing. Before we get into today's question, three cool jobs that are active right now on workinsports.com and are super cool that you should consider. Number one, Stats Perform is the company. They are hiring a data insights editor. They're looking for a US-based entry-level researcher and writer. Now, if you're interested in the data and analytics side, they work with most of their client base is in the broadcast media. So this role will entail research support for their clients using internal tools to analyze sports statistics and to generate insights and statistical storylines, supporting live broadcasts with absolutely accurate and timely research assistance. That is cool. So think about it. You're watching a live sports broadcast. All the data and information and research is coming up on the screen. You could be part of that in this entry-level role. Stats perform, data insights editor. That was job number one. Job number two is at Redline Athletics. They're looking for a director of sports performance. So all you kinesiology majors out there, all of you looking to get into that side of the sports sciences and performance, This is a really interesting position. Their director of sports performance at the heartbeat of their sports performance facility. The key parts of this job include oversight and management of their sports performance specialist team, member retention through outstanding training performance, parent communication, and performing future member evaluations and retesting. If that's your niche, this is a really cool opportunity to get to that director level in sports performance. Okay, another one, job number three. If you want to work in sports marketing and communication, it's not just about college and pro teams. How about this one? Traverse City Horse Shows are looking for a marketing and communication manager. It's one of the top destinations for show jumping in the United States. Create an annual strategic plan, pitch and generate local and equestrian media coverage, manage the press center for major events and championships. I mean, this is a sports marketing job. And if you're passionate 
about horse competitions, oh my gosh, perfect, right? But if that's not really your niche, this is still a great job in sports marketing and communications, a great way to try out and learn and really do a lot of tasks. When I was looking through this job description, there's a lot of to-do tasks that are associated with this role. And this is a great way to learn, grow, and develop, and probably even develop your love for horse racing and horse jumping because it's a really, really interesting sport. I don't know a ton about it, but I'm always kind of drawn to it during the Olympics. I will say that. I watch it and I'm like, this is kind of relaxing. I don't know. I'm kind of a dork that way. All right. Those are the jobs I want to cover. Let's get into today's topic on salary negotiation. Lori in Wisconsin writes in. Brian, big fan of the show. Thanks so much for all you do. I'm in the mix of a job opening that I'm interested in. I've had three interviews and they've all gone really well. Your advice has been awesome in this regard. But I'm nervous about the salary negotiation part. Any advice? Lori, I love this question. This is an important topic. This is one of those fundamental things that happens every time that you are trying to get a job. There's going to be that conversation about salary. So being prepared for that is super important. But I also want to broaden the conversation a little bit to say anyone out there that's currently working and considering the idea of asking for a raise, this strategy is important for you as well. So no matter what phase you're at, money is important. And to understand how to negotiate and be prepared for these conversations is paramount. So salary talks are tough. Nobody likes them. Nobody. I don't like them. I hate them. I hate them. But they're instrumental. They're so important, okay? Because you don't want to undersell yourself. You don't want to undervalue yourself. It's so important to know what you're worth and what the marketplace will bear. Let's start a little bit broader, though. Um, Let's talk about the great resignation, this trend that's going on right now. 4.5 million people left their jobs in October. 4.6 million left their jobs in November. We don't have December data yet. The trend is people are leaving their jobs because of overall frustration, mental exhaustion, fears for their safety. The pandemic has brought a lot of these things up. What does this mean for you, though? It means leverage has shifted a little bit. Employers are losing good employees. People are leaving. And they're struggling to hire and replace these roles or hire new positions. That's just a fact. And leverage has always been with employers. Employers have always been able to mandate, especially in the sports industry, mandate, oh, you want to work here? Accept this offer. Um, okay. okay. I guess I will because I know you can turn around and hire somebody else immediately if I don't take it. We as job seekers never had any leverage. Well, now you kind of do and it's not a bad time to use it. Leverage can be explored in many different ways. It doesn't mean you need to quit your job and leave, although a lot of people are doing that, and I respect it. I know a lot of people who have left and said, I'm burnt, I'm not sure about my the safety protocols at my company, I'm not feeling like I wanna do this anymore, I am feeling apath apathetic, uh, whatever it may be. Resign if that's what you feel like is right. But for a lot of you out there that are like, well, I don't wanna take that drastic of a step, but I might want to negotiate for more salary. I might want to negotiate for better benefits. I might want to negotiate for a better title. This could be the time to do it because you have leverage on your side. Employers are feeling the pinch and they don't want to anymore. So they're having to raise the bar. Wall Street Journal just, Journal just posted a great article about how businesses are expected across all industries to make pay increases like never before in 2022 because they know the burden is on them to make positive changes that will make employees stay. And it comes down to dollar dollar bills, y'all. We did a poll recently to ask people all the different things that were most important to them at a, at a company that might make them stay. 
salary wins. I would love to tell you it's about benefits and culture and all these other things, but most people are like, money. Show me the money. Organizations realize that. They realize they're going to have to step up. So you may take it upon yourself to say, now is my time. Okay. But that's not enough. Could you imagine going into your boss and being, um, I have leverage now, so I would like to be paid more. Uh, no, that's not, that's not how it works. Okay. If you are, Lori, you're negotiating uh, for a new job they're trying to get, or you're whomever trying to get an increase in pay, there are three key things you need to do. You have to plan. You have to research and you have to be ready and mature enough to deliver the message in the proper way. So let's break this down a little bit. Planning. What is important to you? Go through your own life expenses. Understand what your monthly money going out is so that you can understand what you need your money to be coming in. If you don't know that information, you cannot make a good decision about accepting a position or how to negotiate. Now, you can't just demand things because your life expenses are really high. Like, well, I mean, who's going to pay for my Porsche? That, that employer doesn't care about that, right? Those are your own choices. This is your own kind of internal planning and research and making decisions and saying, okay, it's important to me to work in the sports industry. The opportunities out there kind of bear this kind of money. What are my monthly expenses and does it actually pencil for me? Without that kind of knowledge, you can't be prepared for any of these conversations because they might counteroffer and you can't be like, yeah, sure, I'll take it. And then find out you're going underwater each month, right? If you accept on something and find out later on that your expenses are higher than the money you're bringing in, that ain't a good scenario to be in. That's not going to make you happy for a long term or in the short term. So planning first, understanding your own life and how it all factors into your decision making. Okay, so that's step one. Step two, research. Research, research, research into the marketplace. What will the marketplace bear for what you want to do? We have salary tools on our site all over the place where you can go in and you can put in certain job titles and certain areas of the country by, by zip code. And it will tell you what the marketplace will bear and what is being paid for certain job titles in certain geographic areas. You need to know this knowledge because nobody is just going to give you a raise or a salary you want because you think you deserve it. You've worked really hard. You have to have the research and the knowledge and the understanding of what the market will bear. If you are looking at a job for a social media coordinator in Baltimore, Maryland, and you're like, oh, okay, social media coordinators are getting paid 45, I'm making this up, $45,000 a year. It's probably less than that, but I'm being ambitious. $45,000 a year. And, and you're like, okay, well, then I think I should get paid 50. That's not really a good argument. That's not really research, right? You have to learn where your skills are, what's in demand, what you bring to the table that makes you special and have an argument or a conversation that will position you for the salary that you want to ask for. So do the research, understand geographically where the job is and where those opportunities make sense for you and how it all aligns with what salary you're willing to ask for. I had a great question on this topic before too that adds a little extra layer to this. Somebody saying, well, what if I'm applying for a remote job? Which, where should I do the research? My feedback is do the research in both areas where you currently live, but also where their home base is. So if you're working for a company that's based in New York City and you live in Philadelphia, like I do, 
you might do research into New York and a Philly, understand that kind of a range so that you can be in the range between the two. Maybe you are getting paid a little bit more than they would pay in Philly because they're used to paying on a New York schedule. And maybe you're not getting full New York because you're not living there. But knowing the information of both markets can be really helpful. Research, research, research. That is the power that you have. Because when you come into the conversation, which is the step three, when you can layer in your knowledge, when you can really say, I've done the work, that shows the other person that you're serious. You're not just wanting, you are serious and you have a plan. So let's get into the next part. The delivery, right? So again, now you're in a, you're Lori. You're in a conversation with an HR representative in your fourth interview for this job or your hiring manager, whoever it may be, your eventual hiring manager. And they may say, what kind of salary do you expect from this role? When you come out with research and say, I've put a lot of thought into this, I've analyzed the marketplace, I've come up with a range of numbers here, um, I think that shows a lot of strength. So being mature and to the point, using your research to make the point of what you think you have earned and deserve, I think is the way to approach it. But practice this because you're going to get nervous in this part of the conversation. You're going to get a little bit flustered because it's uncomfortable to talk about money. So practice a little bit about how you're going to deliver it when somebody asks you what your demands are or what your wants are for salary. Practice a little bit. It should be under 30 seconds though. You should be able to get quick to the point. You don't want to ramble in. Well, because I kind of think that I should get this because I've kind of done this and I've done that. And I, I think that's valuable. Like if you just start rambling, that's not good. Stick to your research and make a quick point. Now, here's an argument people make. Some people will say, give them a range. I think I should, it should be between 40 and 50,000. Okay. Some people like to do it that way. I don't in particular. You know why? If I say, if somebody said to me, you can pay me between 10 and $20 for this thing, I'm going to pay them 10. So if you give them a range, expect them to come on the low end and say, great, we'll give you your low number. You said that that was the range you were willing to accept. So I don't think that's a great technique. I think coming in with, maybe you establish a range in your mind and you say, oh, between 40 and 50 is the range they're willing to pay. I'm going to tell them I want 47 on the high end, right? Leave yourself a little room for, for negotiation because they may counter back and say 45. Okay. I'm comfortable with that. That's better than 40. If I gave them a range between 40 and 50, I've given myself no room to negotiate. So I think you come out with a more exact number. I will get pushed back on this. Other people go about it differently, but I hope you understand my rationale because I've seen this happen all too often. So Go out with a, a more, do your research, understand a range, understand a, a, a area that makes sense. But to me, you want to come at it and say, I've, I've done research into the area. I understand what the market will bear. I've, I've put the work into understanding what's, what's out there. This is my number. Show yourself as being well-researched, thoughtful, and looking really at how you're going to approach this. And they're going to respect that approach. So if you are mature enough to have this conversation, same sort of thing. Now you're going into your boss and you want to have a negotiation or a conversation about a salary increase. Know the marketplace. Know your value in the marketplace. Don't go in and say, hey, this other company's recruiting me. Hey, hey, how do I look? You know, like, how about you give me more money now? That sort of leverage doesn't work unless you're in high school and you're trying to pit one girl against another or one guy against another. Like, oh, this one's looking at me. Hey, hey. doesn't work that way. No, no business is going to say, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We better give them more money. I don't think it really works that way. That's overusing your leverage. 
go in with a plan, go in with a uh, knowledge and research and really be able to have a mature conversation about it, that will work. That has a much better chance of working. So stick to that and you'll be in a better position. This is how you do it. All right, so we're going to help. We're helping you out here with salary negotiation. Thank you for listening. Coming up later this week, Drew Friedman, Partnership Activation Manager for the Golden State Warriors. Super cool interview. Drew is a super cool woman in the, in the sports industry. She's also uh, the Vice President of Wise Women in Sports and Entertainment for San Francisco Bay Area. Really impressive woman. I can't wait for you all to hear it. So make sure to tune into that on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>